As a listener of the Shift Your Consciousness podcast presented by Marcus White and Jordan Briggs, we would like you to understand that this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Any changes to your supplementation, nutrition or lifestyle should only be done after consulting with a medical professional. Welcome to the Shift Your Consciousness podcast. My name is Marcus White. And my name is Jordan Briggs. We help people overcome a range of chronic and acute health issues and empower people to live a healthy, fulfilling life. Our mission in this podcast is to bring oppressed and current relevant information from all realms of health that you most likely don't know to empower new possibilities in your health journey. We want to help free your mind of the indoctrination of the mainstream medical system, media and societal dogma that disempowers your ability to heal, grow and live a connected life. If you're someone who is feeling trapped in your journey, not getting answers, but also equally fascinated in learning how to address the root cause to your health issues and is also open-minded to all mediums of health, this podcast is for you. So come join us to shift your consciousness. Okay, so we're here for another podcast and we're joined with absolute royalty in uh, the health industry. Um, Dr. Perry Nicholson has done some incredible stuff. Some of you may know him from Stop Chasing Pain. That's his uh, Instagram handle and also on TikTok. Um, and we just found out he's got a podcast. He's got a podcast as well. <laughs> yes. And so, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's known to be the uh, guru in lymph. And I think, um, you know, in, the, in this industry, we've, we haven't really learned a whole lot about lymph until um, Perry came along and um, he's really uh, created some pivotal kind of shifts in our understanding of how important it is to be focusing on lymph when it comes to chronic health issues. So, so great to have you here, Perry. Um, usually what we do when we first kick off a podcast is just, you know, a bit of an introduction of yourself. Um, and what got you into, or what landed you, I guess, into this current position that you're in. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll start there. Great. Well, thank you very much for inviting me on the show. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, well, let's see, where do I start? Honestly, I think I got into what I'm doing now, like a lot of people who get into things in healthcare through my own pain and suffering, honestly. So uh, I had to drag myself out of the abyss of uh, chronic pain, chronic disease, because nobody else was going to do it. And when they were trying to do it, um, they weren't really good at it because I was <laughs> still suffering. And um, so it, it's like the journey of most people, I think. It's for yourself that you have to rescue yourself or a loved one in your life that you have to find answers for. Yeah, but it was a it was a multi step process, honestly. So I got into early into healthcare through chiropractic because I hurt my lower back um, when I was bodybuilding. I did competitive bodybuilding when I was younger, and I did a lot of uh, really stupid things. And instead of resting, I kept doing stupid things because you say the stuff that every human still says. Maybe it'll go away, <laughs> and uh, it didn't. And my training partner at the time said, uh, you should go to my chiropractor. And I said, Cairo, what? I don't even know what they were. This was the 80s. And uh, after a visit, holy cow, I got up off the table and I was able to walk and move again. But it wasn't until several years later that I said, I think I want to try that as a profession. And I went into chiropractic and I practiced that for many years. And I'm still a chiropractor. I just do it differently now. And it, it later on, I ended up developing... Uh, 
chronic disease, autoimmune conditions that chiropractic was not able to help. If I don't, so I had to had to learn to think differently and take different approaches. And that honestly led to what my life journey is right now. And a big part of that was the uh, lymphatic work. Because I, I don't think I would have come across lymphatic work if I didn't hit rock bottom. Hmm. Mm. I would have just kept wow. going along my merry way, doing everything that I already knew and until and I hit a wall. And then I just had to think differently. And then when I discovered lymphatics, I mean, that was just my whole life changed in many different ways after that. Can I ask, what, what, was, what, what were you going through? What were your health complications that you were dealing with? I think I had every symptom known to man, honestly. <laughs> it, it felt like I had them all. I was in a bad spot, but I never really got an official diagnosis of what it is. Hmm. Mm -hmm. which is a lot of people have that when they get a label of an autoimmune disease, because many people have what's called poly autoimmunity. You have multiple ones, mm -hmm. right? That's mm -hmm. just multiple labels that people have no idea why you got them is what that means. Okay? Mm -hmm. But the, I had a uh, biggest thing that really scared me the most, honestly, was I had physical pain. Yeah. But when I started to lose brain function, I got severe brain fog and fatigue, and I started to lose my mental faculties of being able to think and function. That one was the wake-up call for me. And that's the one that at that moment I realized, okay, I've got to, I got to change something here because whatever they're doing and whatever I'm doing, Obviously, it's not the right direction because it's not working. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Can I ask? Can I ask what like what sort of pathways you were going down? Were you going down just like the medical system mostly? Um, I did originally. Then, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Well, you know, because um, it, it's a path that you typically go down first, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, one, because it's what's available to you. Two, it's because of what you know. And three. Honestly, you're scared and you're a little bit lost and you're looking for somebody to give you some answers and then you hope it's there. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. But, it's where all our trust is put, isn't but it? But it wasn't. I went through a lot of surgeries, which at the time, you know, were necessary. Don't get me wrong. But they didn't, they didn't help the underlying issue. Yes. If mm -hmm. anything, they, they actually made them uh, worse. <laughs> and then a lot of medications, a lot of antibiotics, and you know that's the that's the go to option that they have. It's pretty much the only thing that they have is, you know, I can cut it out of you, uh, and see if that works, and then if not, we can give you all these different things, so <laughs> you you hopefully don't feel it anymore, right? Because it doesn't fix anything, and those didn't work. And at that point wow. in time, I didn't want to live like that. So I had to just completely alter the the way that I was thinking and then my process of of doing things. So the interventions that I was going through unfortunately made me way worse. Way worse. Yeah. And I, I wow. you know I share this with people all the time is that I I hit a special form of rock bottom where I just I couldn't bring myself out of it and then uh, their approaches didn't work and I didn't have any answers. And at one point, I've shared this on many podcasts, I was uh, contemplating just suicide, just ending it because it was that yeah. bad. 
Yeah. And uh, after that moment, I realized, okay, that's the choice. That's path A or I got path B. <laughs> and then that, yeah, that's wow. when you do anything and everything to to figure out the ultimate ultimate question of uh, why. Mm. Yeah. It's funny. I actually brought up a quote. Anthony Robbins says it's when you get to the point of to survive or die, generally you find a way to survive. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But it's that willingness to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's it. That's that's every great sports movie you ever saw. You ever see when somebody is just about down for the count and it's it's the end, but then all of a sudden they flip a switch. And then that's what happens? Favorite. It's <laughs> yeah. you know ha- hashtag beast mode monster mode. All of a sudden it's like a different movie, right? Yeah. That's the power of the, the, having that decision to keep going or, or to fight or to be able to uh, heal yourself. Mm, it's just that flip. So and more- for me, it had to hit that, that rock bottom. And that's the way it is for uh, most people, honestly. Because, listen, most people are not going to change when they're comfortable because you're comfortable. Mm. Of course. Why are you going to change? Yeah. yeah. So, that's, that's, so that's what my definition of pain is. Pain is a two things. Pain is a request for change. It's it's your body requesting you to change something. And then people say, what? I said, I don't know what it is. I just know it needs to be something different than what you're doing right now. (laughs) Right? Because whatever it is, your body's not liking it. And pain is how it's telling you it doesn't like what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And pain is also an unmet need. Your body is telling you it needs something that it's likely not getting yeah. or you're getting too much of something that it's had enough of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Title it, so the, the answer to the question is it's both. Yeah. Yeah. And it's often not just rubbing out the sore spot. Like we'll go, we'll go over today with you. <laughs> yeah. That's what stop chasing pain. pain means. You know, <laughs> that's exactly right. You start rubbing the yeah. pain spot and see if it helps. And you quickly find out with, uh, that's what chronic pain is. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's those watershed moments, man. Like I've, I've had plenty of them in my, in my life where it's just like, yeah, things need to change. And, um, and it's always been the biggest growth moments in my life. Like it's always put me into these new positions in my life that you go, wow. Like I've actually, I was actually, I'm actually thankful that happened. Like, I mean, it was a freaking hard, but I'm glad it happened because now I'm here and I get to teach others and inspire others um to do the same yeah so yeah awesome all right well um it was the same for me same for me you know i mean i came i came through the other side of that and whenever i teach now i tell people i i had to flip the switch of uh re-meaning what happened to me because i couldn't change what happened to me but you could change the meaning of what happened to you that's Mm. what that's where the power comes into play and everything that I'm going to be talking with you about today or everything that I teach on my social medias or in my courses, I wouldn't be teaching that if I didn't fall into the abyss. Yeah. So I'm actually very grateful. And I speak to a lot of people that have been very sick or been term, you know, been to the edge and, and a lot of suffering. Every single one of them, when they come back from it, says the same thing. 
Mm. It was actually something that I'm grateful for because it, it switched something even in their behavior or their outlook or even just an appreciation for the simple ability to feel good. Yeah. Mm. Hundred yep. percent, absolutely. There's always just so much transformation that occurs, and I think it's almost it's almost a part of our destiny at times. That's the way I look at it. It's like part of this kind of journey that we're you know born into, or something that um, requires these lessons. So then we land in a position where we can, I don't know, level up in our life and maybe help others, or be a leader in our life, or be a father, or whatever it may be. I think it um, it kind of strengthens you in life, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think it comes back to, like you talked about, the meaning, mm. you know, I mean, the way you look at these opportunities. Mm. You can look at them, a lot of people can look at them like poor me or you can look at them like, <clears throat> sorry, I'm in a position here to to um, level up as we've talked about. So, mm. what, you know, what meaning you find in the situations that you're in is super important. Yeah, well, humans need that. They need challenge. They need a stressor. Uh, that's what makes you more resilient and a, a stronger human being. If, if you have too much comfort, honestly, that's when you're going to deteriorate quick, fast, and in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And your, men- your mental capacity and your physical one. And mm-hmm. It's through those yeah. hardships that you uh, end up growing. But that's also how your, your, your muscles get stronger, by beating them down right your mm-hmm. immune system gets stronger by beating it down and then so it can come back and be a stronger muscle and it can be a stronger immune system right because mm-hmm. they you even see that if you protect your immune system all the time you're going to die quick like really quick mm-hmm. right yeah. so you need you need to get out there in the world and uh breathe nature uh touch dirt be in things so that's where you're interacting with the world around you, right? We're not, yeah. we're not meant to isolate from other people or from uh, nature. Because you saw how that worked out over the zombie yeah. apocalypse. Oh. That didn't turn out well. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think people are paying the price right now. Mm. And you have, Well, you they have did like- everything bass-ackwards you could possibly think of. Right <laughs> <laughs> it's like sit at home, isolate, take, va- like, take vaccines, be comfortable, eat shit food. Your immune system is going to do better. Hand sanitizer. <laughs> yeah, sanitizer. hand sanitizer. <laughs> uh, yeah. None I, of it makes sense. But I really feel for like you think about those kids that were born in that time. And if their parents really bought into that, how like they've just sanitized the start of their life. Like I know a lot of people have already done this in generation yeah. before, but those kids would have been hidden from so many people, like their immune yeah. system, that that those critical few years where they mm. start to interact with different microbes in the dirt, different microbes on other people, all of a sudden that's just been robbed from them. And mm. look, they may they may pay the price in the years to come just from that critical, stupid think- thinking. <laughs> yeah. And people are so indoctrinated into it. They're like, "Hey, don't don't get dirty, or well, make sure you clean your hands." Yeah, and it's like, it's like, make sure you get your vaccine. Yeah, because like if you don't, you're gonna get sick. That's yeah, what the <laughs> power of propaganda. Yeah, I know. It's wild. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, it's interesting. I had a, a really great conversation on my podcast with uh, Dr. Zach Bush. You may be oh, familiar oh, with he's him. A he's gun, quite- yeah quite popular and this was early on before he went ballistic popular and uh you know he's in the world of healthcare particularly cancer uh research and hospice 
and uh, he was on the front lines of uh, healthcare. And he said something that made such a profound impact on me. And because when he said it, I'm like, holy cow, I see exactly. It's like I saw the Matrix because he just revealed the Matrix. Mm. He said, I didn't want to work in a system anymore that tries to change your behavior through two primary emotions. One is fear. But they're going to scare the hell out of you to to get you to do something, right? As opposed to education. That's, there's a difference there. And if they can't scare the hell out of you, then they're going to guilt you for not doing it. So fear and guilt. And I ask you, what are the two primary things that rule the zombie apocalypse? You better get it or you're going to die. And if you don't do it, you're going to kill somebody else. It's exactly the playbook. And they do it for every therapy you can think of. Because he said that's what they would do for cancer. They would scare these individuals that you have to do this. If you don't, you're going to die. And if you don't do it, think about your children. Mm. Do it for them. Birth is a big one as well. That they, they do that when you're in the hospital is there's a lot of fear and guilt. Like you're gonna kill your baby if you don't do this. Um, yep. yeah. Or or if you're not if you're not in the hospital, you're gonna die, your baby's gonna die. Or mm. if we don't do this, yeah. It's, and it's then so what you're wild. doing there is that you're you're impacting a person's nervous system and you're putting them into fight or flight, which is the one place you can't be if you want to get better. Because if you're stuck in fight or flight, you yeah. will not end up getting better in the long run. It's physiologically impossible. You can't do it. Yeah, yeah you're doomed. Yeah. You're and, doomed. Sa- and same thing with birth as well. Think about it. It's the most kind of, you know, when, when a woman's in their deepest divine feminine state, for them to be in that, they need to be relaxed. They need to be they need to totally switched off and safe. Like, so totally, yeah, totally connected and, and safe to, to, to the present moment. And, yeah, um, and then now think about the baby when it's born. Of uh, yeah. to see that the trauma for the babies one don't just start at birth, but that's a big one. The mm-hmm. other one, I mean, it starts when you're actually surfing inside of your your mother because <laughs> the baby yeah. fills the stressors as well. All of those thought processes that change the chemical hormone structure in the mother, which goes through the fetus as well because last time i checked they're connected to each other (laughs) so the things you know crisscross through the placenta and they find i think it's at this point up to 250 different toxins that are in the placenta just at birth wow and that's the ones they're probably looking for (laughs) or can even find so you're already yeah. born in a state of toxicity. You're born in a state of hyper vigilant, uh, hyper arousal, arousal, fight or flight mm. at the same time. And you can get locked in that. Yeah, for sure. You're building your subconscious from that moment on. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's wild. Well, so the, the reason that matters is that everything matters when I'm trying to deal with somebody's chronic back pain. Yeah, it's not just about what you did yesterday or last year. It's what's happened to you over the course of your life. So your history is actually the most important thing that I get from my visit with you. And the second most important thing is I'm going to put my hands on your body and see what your body does when I put my hands on the body. 
Because then I'm going to find the areas of inflammation. I'm going to find the areas of vulnerability. I'm going to find the areas that your, that your body, uh, doesn't want me to touch because it gets very nervous and shows me signs of fight or flight when I get close to it. And so everything is revealed in the history and in the manual uh, exam. I had one of my teachers in in chiropractic school said 90% of your diagnosis should come from your history. The other 10%, you need to rule it out from your assessment. Yeah. But we don't do that in today's age. They, they look at a history, but they don't, they put the history things into the computer, but they don't ask you the questions about the history. And then immediately, cause they only got like 15 minutes to spend with you because it's a broken system, right? But one of the most powerful questions, two most powerful questions I ask my clients, cause I see really tough cases, chronic pain, chronic disease. You don't find me first. You find me last after you've been to everything else and nothing seems to work and you're not sure why or all the tests say we can't find anything. And they're like, I don't know. Right. And then I ask them, I say, tell me what helped you the most that you've done up to this point and tell me what made you worse. That tells me a ton right there. Right. Or tell me what didn't make any difference whatsoever. Right. Because here's the thing. I'm not going to do what everybody else has done to try to get you better, because if it was what you needed, you wouldn't be in front of me asking me to treat you because you would already be better. You follow? So Mm. I always tell people that you actually are coming to see me for not necessarily the therapies that I choose to do to you. It's how I think. Because the therapies that I choose to do to you is based on how I think. Right? Yep. And how I think is based on the answers that you give me. Yeah. Mm. So my treatment program is different for every single person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you're actually listening to the patient. Mm. Well, tell me that how healing is that in general? Mm. Yeah. That you can just listen because most people, I was there myself when I was really, really sick. And, uh, you know, I had, I had cancer about 20 some years ago as well. And, you know, I was at a point where people weren't listening to me. They weren't communicating with me. They weren't talking to me. And, you know, I'm in the business. So I had a, some semblance of an idea of what's going on around me. And it was still stressful for me. I can't imagine how it is for uh, a person who's not in that world of how mm-hmm. terrifying it is. And I have a lot of people that feel, here's a little secret. They feel so much better just after me listening to them and having them talk yeah Yeah. i didn't even touch them yet Mm. yeah 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 because people go into this medical system it's as you said they get 15 minutes and what can you really get through in 15 minutes like and it's it's in so many fields I'd, i'd even arguably say it's even in some allied health as well yeah where some of that system's a little bit broken so, well, I was sure. taught early on about the history and, and that that's the, the being able to see central themes in the history, the whole history. Mm. And then, uh, the, the type of questions that you ask, right? And then uh, after that, the, it comes from the hands on physical assessment with these things. 
yep. which is the lost art in healthcare today by far. Because it's all just, they'll send you for $20,000 worth of tests first yep. before they put your hands on you. Test don't guess. Right? Mm. Yeah, and a lot of it's because they don't want to get their ass sued, which just shows you how the system is broken. So you got to cover all the bases, da, 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 right? Mm. But you can tell a lot by just uh, placing your hands on the person that you're working with. And you'll be, uh, actually, you won't be amazed when you are really good at it, at the stuff that you'll find. And mm. here's, here's, the, here's the take home. Most people, when they come on in, they have pain, and they're going to point to the area of pain. So your job's already done. You, I mean, they're pointing to it, like mm. here. And then medicine just gives – my friend Gray Cook says that they, they just gave it a Latin name, but it's right where they point. Okay? <laughs> and, and that's where you start. But trust me, there's going to be a lot of other areas on the body that hurt just as much as that one that they don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. And the only way they're going to know about it is if you touch them. Yep. Mm. Yep. I've seen I've seen some of your um, courses or um, where you've had students in, and they're like complaining of some sort of shoulder pain, and then you get into their um, uh, sternum. sternum, sternum. Into the, yeah, in the sternum duct. Yeah, the, is, is that how you say it? No, the thoracic duct. The thoracic duct. You get right. Oh into yeah, the sternum and the uh, and right in the center crying. of the sternum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they jump yeah. off the table, man. They, yeah. They're they really uh, shocked, and they have this reflex, like they want to hit me, you know, like, yeah. like this, you know? And I'm like, okay, that's a really important spot, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> How do I know that? How do I know that's an important spot? Well, b- based on your reaction, mm. okay? Yeah. Now, l- let me kind of break that down a little bit for two reasons, okay? One, when you're, when your shoulder hurts, the reason I'm looking at your sternum is because your sternum is always involved whenever you want to move your shoulders. Okay. Yep. But nobody ever comes in saying, Doc, I got to see if my sternum's on fire. They don't say that. Mm. They say that this is. Okay. So, but I know better. So I'm going to touch the sternum. And if it's puffy, tender, or swollen, you've got a long-term issue that's been there for years that just manifested itself in your shoulder when it decided to do so. And then the other one I'm going to go down into is in the abdomen. The reason I go to the abdomen is there's no way you're going to move your shoulders when you, any, any way, shape, or form without it impacting your abdomen, okay, mm-hmm. especially when you walk and when you move. And other people, again, they don't say, Doc, uh, the space between my belly button, the bottom of my sternum really, really hurts. They don't say that. Right? Uh, but when I stick my finger in there, it's a very visceral, that pun intended, visceral means organ response. That's because that area has puffiness, tenderness, and inflammation, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I hit those spots for two reasons. Physiologically, they are intimately tied to shoulder function and hip function, as long as you know your anatomy. But they're also intimately connected to what your brain and your nervous system has been having to deal with for who knows how long that you didn't know about. Okay, so let me break that down is that they point to the shoulder, they know about the shoulder, but that's not the only information that your brain has to take in 24-7. There's trillions of bits of data coming into your brain all the time. You're just not paying attention to it because if you did, your head would explode in five seconds because you're not meant to pay attention to it, right? But this sternum and this 
abdomen, they're really painful, right? But they didn't consciously know that it's painful. Do you understand that? They didn't say these hurt, but the brain has always known those areas hurt with inflammation. So it's sending signals into the brain all the time. So your brain's having to figure out some way to move around these areas that hurt, mm-hmm. right? You just don't know it, that it's happening. And I'm going to contend one of its strategies was to overuse your shoulder mm-hmm. yeah. to protect the front of the body. Yeah. Now, why would it do that? Because, trust me, if you had pain in your sternum or in your abdomen, that's way more excruciating and threatening to your nervous system than your shoulder hurting. Mm, wow. So because if you have pain in your sternum, what's the first thing people think? Heart attack. Heart attack. Yep. That's, that's a big one. If you have pain in your abdomen, that freaks you out too, right? That's, you can't move if you have pain in your abdomen. All right. Yeah. So the body is always trying to find solutions to problems all the time. It's trying to find solutions to problems. So you don't realize you have a problem. (laughs) That's called compensation and adaptation. Let me tighten up this. Let me loosen this here. Let me move more blood flow over here. Less blood flow over there. I'm going to move the lymph over here. I'm going to do all this stuff in the background. So Perry doesn't have pain Mm. until one day Perry has pain. Yeah. And then I'm going to ask you a magic question. Why do you have pain today and you didn't have it yesterday? Mm. And they go, that's a very good question. And I go, <laughs> I know it is. That's why I asked it. Right? Mm. I know what the answer is because your body lost the ability to compensate and adapt anymore on its own. It mm. ran out of options. Yeah. And the only option it has is what? Pain. Yeah. yeah. And it's telling you that it needs help. Mm. What kind of help? Yes is the answer. I don't know where it is, but here's what I do know. I'm pretty sure it's not where you point your finger to where your pain is. Mm. Only. that It's going to be there, and you should treat there, one, because your client expects you to. So I always go where the site of pain is because I want to show empathy. I want to show to the person that I understand that you're hurting, but I know in the back of my mind, particularly if it's chronic, right? Or if it just showed up magically today as opposed to yesterday, it's coming from somewhere else too. Because mm. you're allowed to have more than one problem. Right? Yeah. Because there's a big difference in how you treat people. But what I mean by that is that if I if I picked up a bat and hit you in your right shoulder, well, I pretty much know why your right shoulder hurts. Oh. Right? And I'm probably going to have to treat your shoulder maybe through surgery or through whatever wonderful therapies that I have. And then maybe that'll be the end of it. But what if yesterday when I'm uh, running, I feel awesome. But today when I run, what the heck is up with my shoulder? Mm. What's up with that? Eh? I can't treat the shoulder the same way as I do the other one. Yeah. There's no way it's the same mechanism of uh, treating people. But So most people just start at the side of pain, and that's great. But that's usually where they stop. Mm. 
and sometimes that's enough. I mean, sometimes yeah, you know, the body's really good, and if you treat where it hurts and you do your magic and it goes away, well, that's awesome. Mm. But what if it keeps coming back? Keeps coming back. Keeps coming back. Keeps coming back. That's telling you that you're likely missing something. For sure. And that's always been the question that I've always wanted to ask myself, even when I was a chiropractor, is why in the world does all this stuff keep coming back on everybody? <laughs> mm. And that's what I wanted to take the conversation next. Like, what are some of the most wild things that you've found in people that has manifested into, say, like shoulder pain or maybe knee pain? Like, where, what have you found, like, that could be going on inside the body that people would just go, What? <laughs> well i'll start off probably with the biggest one is where a lot of people are not ready to to quote unquote uh agree to it or buy into it yet until they've tried everything else it's the emotional based cause of musculoskeletal pain mm -hmm. where Ooh. it's a it's a it's a trauma it's some type of type of event um that they're holding on in their life for instance that pain comes on after somebody experienced a divorce Pain yeah. comes on after a death or a loss in their life. And everybody's chasing all those regions here and it's not getting better. But they, they're not they're not to a point yet where they the red pill, blue pill yet to understand how emotions impact the body. Okay. Because they do, and you'll understand that when you reach the abyss. Mm. And, mm. and one of the one of the ways that I can and find that is by how somebody reacts to my touch. Because I know there's areas of the body that hold um, emotional trauma, tension, and shock as a protective response. So if I go near there, I see the reaction mm -hmm. uh, of the person's body, even though they may not see it. I see it. Yep. And most of those points are located on the front of the body. Yeah. So emotion-based one is is a is a huge one. And I already touched on other two. One is the sternum. Like I'll go on the sternum and and go there, and then I'll free that up, and all of a sudden they say, "Wow, I, my my shoulder feels fantastic." You know, thank you. Or the number one for the lower back is the uh, abdomen. I'll go mm. and do something around the belly button, oddly enough, around the navel. Mm. So the navel is one of the most neglected areas on the human body because when did everybody say their navel hurts? Right? Mm. Never heard it. But <laughs> never. But the, the tissue that's at the navel tethers down and connects to the lower back. So they get they they pull and it affects uh blood flow and lymphatic flow and nerve flow. Right. Wow. And then here's what I'm going to tell you is maybe sometimes I can cycle all the way back to your very first trauma when they cut your cord. That's your first wow. scar. <laughs> the navel is your first scar. So I'll go in that region and it's very visceral. And that's sometimes where I'll have people like um, I've had people start to break down on my table and, and cry when I touch these uh, areas because they're very uh, – they're very vulnerable, right? Mm. And there's really one thing that uh, I found quite fascinating is that when I tried to study uh, human behavior, it, uh, why humans do what they do in relationship to pain or discomfort, but more importantly, 
like reflexive behavior, behavior that happens without you thinking about it, because that's all survival behavior. You understand? Like reflexive behavior is like, I'm going to touch the stove, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up. It's reflexive. Okay. That's what drives most of your body is this stuff happening without you thinking about it. That's the subconscious mind. Right. And uh, so I thought about, okay, well, fight or flight has reflexive behaviors to it. That's sympathetic dominance. So your reflexive behaviors, you got a couple of options. Uh, how about I run? That's a pretty good one. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the smart one because just get away and survive. Because if you stay and fight, and even if you win, you're likely get hurt, and then you might die from the infection from that fight. You follow? Mm-hmm. But let's say if you can't run, then you're going to fight, right? Like this. Okay. You got to put up a fight. Now, what happens if you're uh, losing the fight? Well, one, uh, you could probably stand up and just open up your arms and say, okay, I'm done. You won. You can keep beating me. No, you don't do that. What do you do? You protect your body, right? Mm. And what position do you get in when you protect your body? Fatal position. Mm. You curl up into a big tight ball. Mm. Now, why do you curl up into a big tight ball? Because you're protecting everything. Your visceral exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my question. What are you trying to protect? Mm. Everything in the front. Mm. Right? Your your eyes, your nose, your face, your mouth, your throat, your hear, your hear. Because if I take you out there, you're going to die quick, fast, and hurry. Mm. So when you curl up into the front, well, what do you leave completely exposed to take the hit, to take the hits? Back. Mm. The back. Where does everybody get all their pain these days? Back. In the back. Where does everybody always treat? Back. <laughs> Where should you be treating? The front. front. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So I already know the areas of your body that hold the most healing power because you're already programmed to protect it. Nobody, wow. no, But nobody ever checks it because they say it doesn't hurt. And that's the first mistake. And the other survival response is you freeze. Like you don't move. Because maybe, maybe they won't see me and they'll move mm-hmm. along. Or you see this in animals. If animals are losing a fight, they'll freeze. Because maybe it's that split second where the tiger will let go of my throat and then I can run away. And that happens a lot. Yeah. Mm. So that freeze response is also a healing reflexive option uh, as well. But I know that if you did have that freeze response, okay, uh, humans can't shake it off, even but animals do. That freeze also gets locked in the front. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that, I, I hope you people that are listening here really understand the importance of what I'm telling you here. It's like the, mm-hmm. the yin and yang uh, circle in Eastern medicine. There's always a little piece of both working together, mm-hmm. right? And so what I've found in my work is, is that all these people who are experiencing these chronic pain in uh, common areas is I started looking in uncommon areas, <laughs> which means that you don't know that they're there and you don't know that they're hurting. And the only way, I'm not going to find that on a blood test. 
I'm not going to find that on an MRI. I'm not going to find that on an X-ray. I'm going to find it by putting my hand on it. Yep. That's the only way I'm going to find it. Yep. And I know from my experience, you cannot just treat the areas that people point to and leave those painful areas alone. Because they're going to come back at some place for you at some time. So, yeah, I, I've had so much experience in my, like within, in my own health journey with, you know, processing emotional trauma. And when you say it comes from the front, it definitely does. Like I remember sitting with plant medicine and um, in ceremony and um, I had a massive emotional processing of fear and my pelvis was jumping off the floor and it was all coming from my, um, yeah, from my pelvic floor. That's where it was coming. It was releasing from there. I could feel it. And it was my pelvic floor was like just quivering like that. And um, it was really wild. And when that's you say that. That's the root chakra, right? I mean, that's the yeah. bottom of the root chakra at the perineum and the pelvic floor. So your, yeah. your energy channels as well, uh, you know, whatever you want to call them, I don't care. Um, you know, they reside in the front as well. And I learned from it was a very brilliant doctor of osteopathy who's passed away. His name was Robert Fulford, F-U-L-F-O-R-D. He was pretty much, you know, like the uh, like the osteopath on the mountain who's been through a ton and has that proverbial wisdom. And he said uh, that all emotional trauma and shock resides in the abdomen. And then I started to think about that. Well, then it coincided with what I mentioned before about when, when you curl into a ball, where's the greatest point of tension in the curl? Yeah, I, right I in the middle, right in the middle of the curl, mm -hmm. right in the middle of the abdomen. Okay. So if I'm curl, it's like making a fist. I'm curling really, really tight into that region. Okay. Let's now I want to explain some physiology behind that. Okay, so people that are not ready to grasp the emotional part of it yet, I'm going to talk some physiology. We know that tight tissue does not accept blood flow well. And if you want to know that for yourself, I want you to make a fist and keep it there for five minutes and let me know how your hand feels. It's not going to feel good. It's going to freaking hurt like a lot. Okay, so anytime you have poor blood flow, you're going to get pain, period. So I already know when you have pain somewhere, you have poor blood flow, maybe where the pain is for sure, but somewhere else. Right. So tight tissue doesn't accept blood flow well. So I'm going to decrease blood flow automatically to your abdomen, to your gut. And that's where most of your immune system lives mm. in your gut. Mm. So I'm already going to kick your immune system right in the teeth. And it's also where most of your lymphatics live. Right. Because the lymph is part of your immune system. It's supposed to kill stuff that's trying to kill you. So I already slow down your lymph flow. So now you're going to be more toxic. Want to guess where most of your blood flow lives in your body? You go. In the abdomen. Because they branch off and they supply all them organs. And even your what? Your back. Okay? Yeah. I'm going to choke that off too. And then in the abdomen, you have these gatherings of nerves that are called ganglia or plexi. One of them people know of is your celiac plexus or your solar plexus. If you don't think that hurts, try to get a nice martial arts fist in there, and you'll see how that feels. You're going to go over, right? 
solar plexus punch. eh? Those are called ganglia. And you got several of them that sit there, but they're part of your sympathetic nervous system, your fight or flight system. And they communicate with the sympathetic nervous system along your spine. Okay. So when you get crunched in like that and you have tightness and tension, here's what I know. I just killed your blood flow both ways. I just shut down your primary part of your immune system and I'm lighting up the nerve bundles in there from your sympathetic nervous system that can relay pain anywhere in your body and you won't feel pain there. Where you're going to feel it is everywhere else. Unless Dr. Perry comes in there or somebody that learned from Dr. Perry, I'm going to check your belly for you. Or I teach people to check it on themselves. Hmm. And then they have that reaction. And that that's why they teach you in Eastern medicine to, if you massage your belly and your abdomen like 20 minutes a day, or at least I learned this in Qigong, like strike lightly your abdomen 50 times a day. Just start there. You can change your life and you'll say, if you do that for 30 days, I have people that go, that's the craziest thing in the world, man. I can't tell you how much better my plantar fasciitis feels. Because everybody's wow. been treating the plantar fascia. Yeah. Right? And and that's good, but you have to remember that the foot's connected to the abdomen too. The body is one piece. There's no parts. They all interconnect with each other. And I jokingly say that your brain doesn't even know what the hell a foot is. It doesn't know what plantar means. It just knows, dude, I'm one piece. And I need for you to look at me that way. And then when you understand how connective tissue works, the bottom of the foot will have the greatest tension in it because that's the end of the band. Mm. But where the knot is, is in the center. And that pulls on the bottom of the band. Does that make sense? In the center, right there. And where's the other end of the band? If it's in your foot, where's the other end of the band? Top of your head. So that's the person who gets all the head issues, neck issues, brain issues, brain inflammation, neuroinflammation, all that sort of stuff. Right? So the thing that I've loved to do is take these concepts when I talk about emotion or I talk about energy channels. I'm like, okay, well, you know, Eastern medicine, we're onto something with these acupuncture points because when I show you the anatomy underneath that, you're going to go, oh, okay. I get it. That makes sense. There's always an explanation for it. Yeah. Yeah. The deeper you go down the rabbit hole, the more you've realized how Eastern philosophy is probably nearly more advanced than Western. Yeah. And so in, in, in the root cause, understanding the body, it's wild. Well, like, I agree with that. Well, listen, if something's been around for a couple thousand years, that's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the bottom of my foot right now and how I've had pain in the bottom of my foot for ages. I can hardly um, walk in like barefoot for a long time and I'm just sitting there thinking far out. I need Perry to put his <laughs> put some work into my abdomen. <laughs> oh, I've, I'll tell you what, man. I, I'm not kidding. I work on the abdomen for everything. If you're coming yeah. in with a hangnail that's not getting better, I'm going to work on your abdomen. And I'm not <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Because I know that the abdomen is going to influence the blood flow to your pinky where your wow. hangnail is because i'm all about fluid flow that's my jam like yeah. limp for sure but limp doesn't work without blood flow right so the, mm. the fluids are like my main thing that i try to uh make the biggest difference on for people with uh all of my work so that's yeah. ultimately yeah. what i'm thinking of is if i do this to this region how does it affect the fluid flow everywhere 
Yeah. Mm. And I'm not doing it until I know the answer. Yeah. Okay. Because well, that, that was one of the big things that we wanted to talk to you about as well is, is, is this the world of lymph? Like, why is it important for people to have healthy lymph flow? That's, see, that's a perfect question, man, because <laughs> now I can talk for five days. Like, I can tell <laughs> So you probably noticed that I get more excited and I get more emotional, more amped up when I teach because I add this stuff is what I love. And uh, this is what saved my life and helped so many other people. I just want everybody else to know it. And the, the lymph system to me is the most important system of the body that nobody knows about and nobody talks about or they don't even know what to do with it. Why? Because it's the single most powerful player in your immune system. So its job is to kill things that are trying to kill you. So if you want to live longer, you should take care of your lymphatics. Mm -hmm. And it's also the primary waste management system of your body, which means it's trying to get out. I call it muck. And you can call, you can throw anything in the muck bucket, toxins, parasites, bacteria, fungal cells, cancer cells, metabolic waste from just cells, making new cells. You make new ones because old ones die, right? Well, how do the old ones get out? Uh, lymph's a big part of that, right? Or if you get an injury and you damage cells, how do those get out? Uh, same way, right? So they keep your insides clean. If your insides stay dirty, you stay sick. If your insides stay dirty, you stay in pain, period. That's it. Like, that's a basic fundamental, right? Mm -hmm. So it's also a primary component of your vascular system. That's your blood flow system. Because those pipes, they change names, but they all interconnect with each other. So the lymph dumps into the vascular system of the body, uh, known as your veins, because your veins are waste fluids too. They get out waste too. Here's what's really cool, man. You have twice as many veins as you do arteries. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. Double. I didn't. So now let's step back for a moment and say, that's a really cool fact. And let's break it down. Why in the world do you think that is? Well, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure, but I, I feel like it would have to be something to do with if, if your body was just full of arteries, it'd be just, there'd be just too much flow, wouldn't there? Yeah, that's a piece of it, right? But it's telling yeah. you that veins get rid of waste. Yeah, that was going to be my answer. Um, so it's more important to get rid of waste than it is to deliver the nutrients to the cells. You need both, but you better get that muck out. Because I'm giving you twice as much stuff and another system on top of it to do it. Yeah. Because here's what you learn. If the waste management system doesn't work well, the arterial system won't work well. Mm, of course. And that's the supply side. All right. Yeah. So basically, the lymphatics are the single fluid that keeps you from having chronic pain, Chronic inflammation, which is the number one cause of autoimmune disease, is chronic inflammation, right? 
Yeah. So that's kind of a big deal to know because I don't know about you. If I had a body that's full of muck and it's a toilet that won't flush, you're going to get some inflammation, my friend, like a lot of it mm-hmm. and in a lot of different places. Hmm. So the lymphatics are primary for blood flow and primary for your immune system. And most people, when I see them and they have autoimmune disease or chronic pain, they have really poor blood flow. They're stuck full of muck and metabolic waste, and they're toxic. And when you have that, you'll have low oxygen. Mm. And when you have low oxygen, you will not get better. Wow. And you will have pain. Mm. Now, it may go away for a little bit, but it's going to keep coming back. Mm. So... How would you want to go about freeing that up? Well, you find ways to get the fluids to move, right? Two primary ways that the fluids move are through movement, like move. And then people say, which way? And here's my answer. Yes. (laughs) I don't care how you move. Just move more of yourself, more often, more ways, more environments. Just move your body. Walking is a really good one. Jumping up and down is even better. Right? But people don't move a lot at all. They're very sedentary. Or when they do move, it's the same movement, repetitive movement. Mm-hmm. And that also causes fluid flow problems because fluid adapts to the tissues that adapt to your movement, okay? Hmm. And so they don't move. And the other primary way that you move your fluids is through breathing through the diaphragm muscle, the diaphragm muscle itself, which is a muscle that sits in the bottom of the rib cage above your organs. And why people is that? don't breathe through the diaphragm. Yeah. Why, why is that? Through why they don't breathe through the diaphragm? No, 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 no. Why is it? Why is it that the diaphragm gets fluids moving? Ah, okay, great question. Uh, pressure. Right. So pressure, pressure moves things. Right. It, pressure even moves you. If people pressure you enough to do something, you'll do it. Right. Good pressure point. moves fluids. Movement is pressure. Right. Movement is pressure. But whenever you take a breath in. Uh, hopefully you're breathing in through your nose and not through your mouth because you breathe in through your nose, you'll actually get more movement from your diaphragm without trying to think about moving your diaphragm. Okay, so it automatically will move. So your, your mouth is for talking and eating, not for breathing. So when you breathe in through your nose, the uh, pressure increases in your abdomen. It's called intra-abdominal pressure. It increases. Now, the diaphragm sits over your organs like, a, like an umbrella, or think about it as a parachute, and that muscle contracts. So when you breathe in, that muscle contracts, and it pushes down towards the floor, and it pushes your organs with it like that because your organs are packed in there like wet sardines. I mean, it's really tight in there, man. Okay? There's no empty spaces in there. And when it pushes down towards the floor, you have, as you know, when you're talking about when you felt it in your pelvic floor, you have your pelvic diaphragm on the bottom. And that's the, it's a hammock that reverses the other way to catch the organs like this. Otherwise, if it wasn't there, your organs would end up by your feet, right? Down below. 
And then when you exhale, pressure decreases in the abdomen. And now the diaphragm moves back up towards your head and the organs get sucked back up towards your head. And it looks like increased pressure, things go down. Decreased pressure, things go up. Increase down and up. What does that look like? It looks like a pump. Mm. It's a pressure pump. And it's moving stuff everywhere in the body, but primarily where? In your belly. So what lives in your belly? All the stuff I told you about before that's usually stuck. Mm. Right? So it pumps that lymphatics because most of it lives in your lymphatics. And, you know, your body's pretty smart. Whoever created it said, man, we got to put a pump in this guy. Let's, let's do this. So that'll get the stuff moving and it's going to move that fluid and it's going to bring it to a specific spot, the lymphatics. It's going to bring it up and it's going to dump right at the collarbones. Up in there. It actually is a suction effect. It's like a suction like that. It's a suction effect up towards the collarbone. And then at the collarbone, it dumps back into the veins. And then the veins take that stuff back out through the lungs and the heart again. And then it goes to the arteries. So this whole thing interconnects with each other. So that pump, when you breathe in and out like that, a plunger is a great analogy because... If you have a stuck toilet in your house, how do you unblock the toilet? You use a plunger and it does it based on what? Pressure, increase, decrease, increase, decrease, and then the stuff gets sucked out towards the street. Well, that's what happens when you do diaphragm breathing is that that sucks that stuff up towards your collarbone, right? So if you don't move, and you don't breathe through the diaphragm, which most people don't because they just forgot how to breathe through the diaphragm and they're breathing too much through their mouth instead because they're under so much stress, <laughs> then you just shut down your fluid flow pathways to everywhere. Because now I'm going to ask you, if you block the lymph, you're going to block blood flow, right? Because those fluids connect with each other and then pressure is going to build up in other places because fluid and pressure don't just disappear. They have to travel somewhere. They have to go somewhere else. So where they're usually going to go is your hands and your feet that way. Hmm. And then the blood flow to your feet comes from your abdomen. So I'm going to, I'm going to compromise blood flow to your foot and that plantar fascia that everybody's digging in. And I'm going to compromise the fluid leaving the plantar fascia going up the veins and up the lymphatics towards where? A collarbone. That's where it's got to go. All right. So, but it's got to be able to get there to it and it's got to be able to get away from it. Because otherwise, I don't care what you do to your foot. <laughs> it's not going to get better if stuff can't get to it. And when you do stuff to it, stuff better be able to get away from it. Right? So that's why you always have to check your pipes higher up. 
So a fundamental rule in my teaching is I'm going to touch the side of pain first because you expect me to, but I'm not going to start my treatment there. Mm. Mm. No nice. way, no way. Uh-uh. Because I understand how fluids move. And mm. by the time I work on your foot, you're also going to know how that fluids move. And you're going to say, why in the world didn't somebody tell me this before? And I'm going to say, that's a really good question. You should ask them that. Yeah. Mm. So would you? Does that so make sense? That's a big thing to understand here because, you know, I started when I got sick. I, I started, I learned from a guy who said, chronic disease only occurs when you lose the ability to make new cells that work. Mm. Chronic disease only occurs when you lose the ability to make new cells that work. Because if you can make new cells that work, you wouldn't stay sick, right? Hmm. So then I thought to myself, okay, well, what in the world does a cell need to work? Let me just start with one, because if I can figure out one, the other trillion can come along for the ride, because they're all very similar. Now, they need a ton of stuff, right? Like a lot. But they basically need a couple of things. They need to have uh, nutrients going in, like all the nutrients that they tell you that your body needs from your diet plan and your nutrition plan and all your supplements. And they, you better be getting some oxygen in there, right? So they need nutrients. And then I'm going to ask you this question. How do the nutrients and the oxygen get to the cell? This is when you say blood flow. So I better make sure you got good blood flow, right? Now, if it gets to the cell, if it's lucky enough to get to the cell and the cell uses it, the cell makes energy, right? It goes through all those mitochondria stuff and the Krebs cycle and all those things that you learn in biology class, but that's energy. And what do you know? Whenever you make energy, you also make what? Waste. Hmm. Yep. Right? So where does the waste go? Lymph. Right now, you should be saying lymphatics <laughs> and veins. Right? Because it's got to get it out. Right? So, what I'm trying to tell you is that everything is a mute point. If I don't have the ability to get the stuff to the cell, and once the cell uses it to get it away from the cell, that's fluid flow. Mm. Right? Because if you don't have that, nothing works. Nothing works. So everything that I talk about is under the banner of fluid flow. That's why stress or sympathetic dominance or fight or flight or poor breathing patterns matter because poor breathing shuts down your pump. Mm. Poor breathing and stress tightens down tissue. And tight tissue doesn't do what? Move fluids well. Mm. So in my world, I'm going to get you to breathe. I'm going to take you out of that sympathetic dominant state because I know as soon as I do that, everything starts to ease up. And then now all those trillions of cells can start to get muck out and blood flow in, right? But sometimes your blockages and your tightness and your tension, you've built up too much stagnation and it can't get out or get two things on its own. And then here's my question. How do you think you remove the blocks? 
your two hands. That's it. Touch. Right what I told you at the beginning of the day. Mm-hmm. You put your hands on somebody and you move the tissues and you touch the tissues to relax the body and you move the fluids. That's why you do it. This is wild because I'm sitting back and I'm going Eastern philosophy, like Chinese medicine is the marry of it, all those things. It's massage, it's qigong, it's um, they, they use obviously medicine, their own medicines. They use nutrition and di- what they call dietetics. That's yeah. that's what Chinese medicine is. Yeah. So I remember how you said qigong because qigong is movement and breath, yeah, and also the movement of qi, and then getting your hands on as well and doing massage. So the further you yeah, go, yeah. So interestingly, you know what another word for chi is? Chi is represented in Western medicine as blood flow. Yeah, chi is blood flow, right? Mm. But here's here's the take home message. It's touching the body, but touching the body with purpose. Mm. You don't just rub body parts because they hurt. You only rub areas when you understand how fluids move. Mm. So you don't rub just to rub. Okay. You have to rub a certain place before you rub another certain place because you know that that influences fluid flow. So for an example, I'm never ever going to start massaging your back ever before I release the front. Why? Because the blood flow to your back comes from the front. Mm-hmm. And the waste from your back flows towards the front. So I don't want to go back there until I open up the front first. And I know that when I relax the front, your back lets go. Now, let's take the plantar fasciitis. What's itis mean? Inflammation. And then you see inflammation. What's the first thing you think? Blood flow, lymph flow. That's what I want you to think. Because nerves are not going to be happy if they can't get blood flow in and out and they get stagnation there. They're going to get really ticked off, all right? And so I already know that with your foot. Now, you may have some biomechanical issues in the foot, and I want you to treat that, of course, right? But I'm thinking from a flow point. Let's say that I go and I... I treat the foot and I'm putting like a laser there or muscle stem or I'm going to scrape it and I'm going to do myofascial work and I do all my magic stuff to the foot. Wrong place to start, Mm. right? Because if I'm trying to get blood flow to the foot, remember we said, where's the blood flow coming from? Abdomen. From, yeah. What if it's blocked on the way down? And trust me, it's going to be if your foot hurts, Mm. all right? It's probably going to be blocked behind your knee and in your groin and in your abdomen, all three places. Because the only way your blood, the only way your foot's getting blood flow is it comes through the crease of your groin. That's the only way it's getting there. All right. Now, so I need to be able to get the blood flow there, but I'm trying to get rid of the inflammation in the foot. So where does the inflammation have to go? Same places, past the knee, past the groin, past the abdomen, to your collarbone. Mm -hmm. So in my world, I go from top down and then bottom up. Yep. So abdomen, groin, knee, foot. Then I'm going to treat your foot. Different outcome. Completely different outcome. Okay? Now that you understand how the supply chain moves. Mm. Because I'm going to contend 
that you've probably had those blood flow restrictions and lymph flow restrictions for 10, 15 years. You didn't know about it. Then all of a sudden you get an itis. Yep. <laughs> so here's a novel idea. You do both. Yeah. Just for the it's listeners, cheap. right? Where just for the listeners, just so they understand too that chronic inflammation is just unresolved inflammation. Inflammation is a normal process that the body goes through. And what, what I'm Correct. hearing when you talk, Perry, is that lymph and blood, that is part of the resolution. And if that's not flowing, it, it, it turns into chronic inflammation. Exactly. I'm so glad you said that because you need inflammation. Without inflammation, you would die really quick. Mm. Right? It's just you don't want the on switch all the time. And that's the chronic. And there's many different things that can cause chronic inflammation, of course, right? Uh, uh, but it's like stress, too. Stress is not bad. If you didn't have stress, you would be weaker and I'd take you out yesterday. I mean, you're gone. But it's the incessant stress, your ability to recover from the stress. But then I'm going to ask you, like you kind of touched on it a little bit, why in the hell do you have chronic inflammation? And what I'll contend with you is this. If you're stuck full of muck and you can't get blood flow to stuff, you're going to have inflammation, my friend. Trust me. Mm. Right? Because that's the very definition of your immune system and inflammation is if you have things that are trapped inside of your body that are not supposed to be there is the operative word because they should have been flushed in your toilet long time ago. <laughs> Right. But what if they're stuck there? Well, then your immune system said, we got to take care of that, man. Uh, how about we send some inflammation that way? Then inflammation shows up. So which, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And yes, is the answer. It's always both. Right. Mm -hmm. But in my world, I'm looking at chronic inflammation. Right. So that I know that blood flow and lymphatics are going to play a role in the chronic inflammation. One of the reasons I know that is because I always find it. And two, nobody else prior to them seeing me has actually looked for it. So I know it's there. I don't know how much of a role it's going to play, but it's going to play a significant uh, role. But it's not just the inflammation. This is why I really want to cycle this home. It's not just the inflammation that you have about where you're pointing. It's the inflammation everywhere, right? Because the, all that's adding to your stress response. So mm. if I had inflammation in my plantar fascia, that's sending signals to my brain. Uh, my brain is taking that in. That's, that's increasing my stress response, right? Because stuff hurts. Mm. But you've also got the stuff coming in from, let's go back, the sternum that's there, the abdomen that's there probably your lymph nodes in your neck that are that are there the poor blood flow in your groin or both of your groins they're also adding to your stress response and i'm going to tell you one of the reasons you're probably not getting better is that people are only taking care of your foot stress you have to take care of all the other stressors when you decrease those then all of a sudden it takes that stress signal down, that threat signal down. And then when load. you do that, yeah, your allostatic load, your bucket can only hold so much, mm. right? 
And then you take that down and then your nervous system says, okay, I'll turn off now. I'll let you go. You're good. Yep. I'm going to reset. I'm going to reset my switch. So it's, it's one of the phrases that I tell people is that I, I look for the pain that you don't know about to help the pain that won't leave you alone. Removing those hidden means. stresses, right? Mm. Yes. Those hidden stressors and also those hidden stressors and you tie back to the emotional standpoint. But mm. also I have people that get better emotionally when I do this work because listen, it's not just a blood flow to your musculoskeletal system. It's a blood flow to your brain. So if you're going to have inflammation in these spots, particularly in your abdomen and your sternum, I already know your brain's a hot mess, especially if you have chronic pain and autoimmune disease. I already know it is. So your brain is going to be compromised with enough blood flow going in. So you have decreased oxygen in there. And I know your brain is stuck full of muck and your brain toilets are backed up. So now your brain is living in an inflammatory state. And when it's like that, it's hard for those neurons to wire and fire and connect with each other. So it's hard for you to actually change something in your life because your brain's too fatigued. It's too tired. It's full of poor blood flow and muck. So you couldn't change even if you wanted to. Yeah, because your brain won't let you. So what you have to do is clear your blood flow, clear your toilets, flush your brain. Then all of a sudden, maybe just maybe those brain fatigue goes down, that brain fog goes down and those neurons that can interconnect with each other, the neurons wire and fire, right? Like this. And then new habits and new behaviors is neuroplasticity. I form a new map, right? So I change a behavior or I change an emotion. It's really hard to do that when your brain is on fire. Mm. And every time a neuron connects to a neuron, what does it make? Your connection. Waste. Your connection. Oh. Waste. <laughs> Neurons make waste. The brain is the most metabolically active tissue in your body. Metabolic being the key word. So if it's mm. highly metabolic, it makes a lot of waste. Okay. Well, there's and a lot of your brain's full of waste. Brain yeah. What's that? There's a, a ton of lymph surrounding the brain. Oh, so yeah. Holy cow, dude. Check this out, man. Like, first of all, they didn't think, they thought that the brain was an immune privileged organ for many, many years. But now they know that that was incorrect because the, the peripheral immune system will speak to the central nervous system all the time. But you do have these lim these uh, lymphatics called meningeal lymphatics, and meninges just means like it's a covering of the brain, right? Yeah, and meningitis, have, which is the condition that causes your brain. Yeah, they can fire. kill you quick, right? Viral meningitis, yeah. and you have the three layers of the brain, right? But hold on for that. Let's just put a star next to that, and uh, the the lymphatics run along that, and it's around the dural. Uh, and uh, arachnoid, you'll, that's kind of semantics, but it runs along there. But the key is where it drains to. It drains to the lymph nodes and the neck. And it drains through the veins and the neck. To where? The collarbone. Yep. So let me ask you a question. What if you've got stuck toilets in your neck of the lymph and you've got poor blood flow in your neck from excess tightness and tension and poor breathing patterns? 
What happens to all the muck up here? Where is it? It stays up here because it can't go down the neck. The jugular right? nort, yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the internal jugular vein. And 90% of your blood comes out of the internal jugular vein. Mm. And they recently discovered a new meningeal layer of the brain, a fourth layer. I don't know if you knew that. Fourth layer. And uh, they couldn't see it before because it was so thin. So the technology was not able to see it. So whenever they would uh, do the uh, dissections and peel stuff away, it would just disintegrate. And it's a layer that sits in the subarachnoid labor, no, the arachnoid. And its job is to keep the clean cerebrospinal fluid. That's the brain and spinal cord fluid. Keep the clean fluid separated from the dirty fluid. Those two. And they call it, it's, the acronym is SLIME, S-L-Y-M. Subarachnoid lymphoid-like membrane. Hmm. What's the operative word there? Lymph. lymph. <laughs> right? And I'll give you one guess where that goes. Same place. In the neck. Right here. Wow. So that's why if this up here has got poor blood flow in, poor blood flow out, you're stuck full of muck because your lymphatics don't work well. And what's called your glymphatics, that's the glial immune cells in your brain that get turned on when you have inflammation in the rest of the body. It turns on the brain once and it starts to eat away your brain. That stuff gets stuck up there, stuck brain toilet. You get neuroinflammation, and now we know brain neuroinflammation feeds peripheral autoimmune inflammation. So you can have long-standing autoimmune issues, musculoskeletal pain, joint pain that is, is coming because of the brain. The inflammation oh. in the brain. Wow. So you have to you have to clear the muck out of the brain first for your rest of your body below to come around. But here's here's the take home. Cerebrospinal what? Fluid. Fluid. Yep. Right? Lymphatic fluid. <laughs> <laughs> Arteries and veins, fluid. Yeah. So it's fluid flow. Mm, so yeah. when I work fascia or I work muscle or anything like that, I'm only working it for one purpose. Has it changed the fluid flow moving in your body? That's the only thing I'm thinking about when I move it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Total sense. Total sense. Yeah. I'm just sitting back going, imagine the amount of people that have really chronic mental health issues yes. you know anxiety depression maybe even suicidal and all they've got to do is get their lymph moving through their brain and maybe work on their gut health mm. you know these type of things as well all they've worked on their gut health and they just have there's a step yeah, that they haven't missed there's a step they've missed exactly yeah. there's a system they haven't worked on yeah. they haven't got their, their their lymphatic flow moving yeah well, well that person was me stuff. i mean yeah. you just described me yeah. Where I was suicidal. I had depression. I had anxiety. I had, you know, I was just, 
I was a shell of myself, right? And I was doing a lot of gut programs, mm. you know, gut health programs, but and it helped a little bit, but it, it just wasn't getting me to where I needed to be because the missing ingredient for me was the um, lymphatics and the fluid flow. And then when you look at the uh, neurodegenerative disorders, um, they see, for instance, like Parkinson's. Parkinson's manifests itself in the gut first, and then you get the neurological symptoms in the brain. Mm -hmm. So it's gut going up. But I know for me that you can't have a gut issue without having a brain issue. You can't have a brain issue without having a gut issue. They always go together. So that's why one of the most critical questions that I always ask people is, can you recount any point in your life where you had any type of impact, no matter how small, to your head? Hmm. I can recall a few. Because there's going to be one. <laughs> Whether you remember it or not, there's going to be one. But I already know my answer to the neuroinflammation in the brain because of the prior trauma to the head. So if you start to um, improve the lymphatic flow, improve the blood flow, what I'll contend is all of your other therapies that you're getting and that you need have the potential to much to work much more efficiently now because if you're taking a supplement or a medication now they they can get to their target and then stuff can go and you can purge your body and there was a, a saying I'm not sure how we're doing on time do I have a moment to tell you this are we okay ah, of course yeah. you're good. okay um Osteopathic medicine has probably been the single most influential um, thought process in my entire 30 years that I do. Um, I'm going to tell you traditional osteopathic, not modern. And they were all about um, blood flow and fluid flow. Um, Andrew Taylor Still, who was the medical doctor who created the um, process for um, osteopathic medicine because his entire family uh, died from meningitis and all of them. Wow. And he realized that the uh, traditional approach, he turned his back on it and he created his own. And there, there were three words. I I'm all about simple and like when you see that something, you just can't unsee it and you're like, that's it, right? Mm. And it was three words that just sent it home for me. And I say it every time I teach. And it's this, if I may. And I'll break it down. Uh, drainage precedes supply. Drainage precedes supply. So what's precede mean? Comes first. Fourth. What's supply? I already told you that. That's the, that's the artery side. That's the nutrients and the oxygen and the glucose and all that stuff, right? Drainage is the waste in the muck. Hmm. So you have to do that side first before you do the supply side. And that was my mistake. And that's the thing. I don't like to use the word mistake, but because those didn't know, and I see that with people today. Uh, I was putting everything in, like 
you know, I see people coming in with a bag of 30 different supplements mm. and they're on all these different diets and eating all these different things or they, they can't eat 500 things. They can only eat two things or whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, that's all what? That's supply. all supply. E even your breathing exercises are all supply. Okay. Of oxygen. That's what I was missing. I had to do the, I wasn't doing the drainage part. <laughs> then when I started to do the drainage part, I kid you not, within five days, I had a 60% improvement in mm. how I was feeling with my brain and my symptoms. And that's when I said, that's it. This is it. This is what I've been looking for. Because yeah. if, if you give the body what it needs, it's going to tell you quick, fast, and in a hurry if you got it right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? If you don't get it what it needs, it'll tell you that too. So I don't believe in this, give it four, six, eight weeks junk. No. You're going to know really quick if, you, if you're on the right pathway or not. Mm -hmm. Okay? And yeah. that's the benchmark. That's the benchmark. So normally when I see people, um, I spend about two hours with them the first visit. A lot, because I know those two hours are my m most well-spent time, because now I don't have to have 20 other visits trying to see if I got it right, because I didn't take enough time in the, in the first time I saw them. That makes mm. sense? Mm. Yep. Yep. So take that time in the beginning to really look at the uh, history even for musculoskeletal pain, because people, when they have musculoskeletal pain, everybody blames the musculoskeletal system. That's only one system. You need to look at your cardiovascular one, your lymphatic system, your digestive system, all those systems interrelate with each other. And one of the most common causes of musculoskeletal pain is an immune system in overdrive with, with inflammation. And then the joints hurt and the muscles hurt and everybody's just chasing the muscles, yep. right? And you're going to try to do some gut repair, which is awesome. Mm. But your gut needs blood flow too, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> okay. May maybe it's an emotional issue and that's the reason why they're, they've got these issues, right? You know, so it's targeting that right thing first. Yeah, because where do you feel the emotional issues? They get you where? There's gnaw at your gut. Yeah. You yeah. Know, that gut really sit there here. And when you're in that emotional state, a lot of people get into that withdrawal type uh, posture because you, you just want to curl into yourself to escape the misery. Mm. Yeah. Right? And, and that's natural because that's a yeah. reflexive type response. But maybe mm. over time, even if you wanted to stand up straight, you can't because everything's been so tense and tight for so long that mm. it's really hard to do that. Absolutely. Because if you want to stand up tall, lean, mean, and confident, pull your neck back, pull your shoulders back, rotate your shoulders out, and then tilt your pelvis the right way, you got to stretch that whole front side of the body to do it. Mm. I guess my point as well with it was like, like – you know, you can do all the, the back massages you want. You can do take all the supplements and do all the antimicrobials you want. But if you've got an emotional issue or you've got a lymph blockage or something like that, these things just aren't going to resolve. And so 
this is why I find it so important to be screening those things in your history and to be going deep, as you said, in that first session. Yeah, it's really important that um, when you're dealing with chronic pain or chronic disease or autoimmune disease, it's there's more than just one thing. You can't go after just one single target to blame. And unfortunately, that's kind of the medical model because that model works really well in trauma, like like physical trauma. Yeah, you know, like okay, like I said before, if bat hits you, well, you know, A equals B, right? Or if you get uh, some kind of infection, they're looking for what's the bad guy. Like, let me give you a pill to kill that thing, right? Mm. But when you have the autoimmune or stuff that comes on slowly, it's never just one thing. It may be one thing that was the catalyst that overflowed your bucket of being able to handle a lot, and then that was it. But And then that's what you blame because, I mean, it's a smart thing to do of what happened before what happened. So it's a good way to initially think from the scientific method. But that's not going to work out well, actually, <laughs> when you're trying to put the puzzle pieces together of this thing called a living, breathing, dynamic human being with emotions and a story. Your scientific method honestly doesn't mean squat yeah. at that standpoint, okay? Because it's a very different road that I'm doing when you're on the table and I'm right into something on a surgery than I am with somebody who brings in this history with them uh, from their beginning of of birth, right? And then stuff can be adding up for 10 years. And then all of a sudden, today is the day that your compensations yeah. ran out. And when you have all these different places of uh, inflammation and stagnation in the body fluids um, that hold that the cells live in, when those build up enough, that can be the cascade that sends your bucket over. Yeah. That's, and, I know it does because I see it all the time, all yeah. the time. And the, the thing with lymphatics is very deceiving <clears throat> is that one, it's a system that they really didn't look at very much in medicine. And honestly, they still don't. And uh, one of the only reasons they would look at it is if you had lymphedema, where it's a condition and where the something happens with the lymphatic system and a, a body part gets abnormally, sometimes grotesquely swollen because the fluid valves are damaged and they can't drain. So it's very evident that it's lymphedema. Or you have cancer because, you know, sometimes you have to remove lymph nodes, for instance, and then they, they look at the cancer and travel through the system, through the lymphatics, through the body, through the lymph, which should tell you, first of all, how much it runs through everything, if it can travel through that. But you also have to understand that your lymphatic system kills cancer cells every day so you don't get cancer. Mm. And so its job is to kill the cancer so it doesn't show up. What if it's overloaded? Something well, then maybe it'll finally show up, mm. right? So it, it, it takes care of the the can the cancer cells but but what they don't look for is that what's the lymphatics what role is the lymphatic system playing in all of these other conditions 
and they found a, ma- a major lymphatic connection to uh, stagnation to glaucoma, to Crohn's disease, <laughs> obesity is a big one, and also neuroinflammation in the brain. Yep. So there's these lymphatic connections to other conditions, but medicine hasn't been looking there because lymph is only on the radar if you had lymphedema or the cancer. You follow? So they're not even they're not even checking off the box to see if it's a player. And I want to make something very clear that if you have any type of autoimmune issue or any chronic pain issue, you can take it to the bank that your lymphatic system is playing some type of role in that condition. How much, I don't know. And when you clear it, how much better it's going to make you, I don't know the answer to that either. But what I do know, and I'll stand by it until I'm dead, if it's there and you don't address it and you don't do anything to help it intentionally and on purpose, you're always going to struggle. Love that, Perry. Yeah, it's, it's, and I think it just sums it up. It's just, it's just that it's such an overlooked system and, but there is actually such simple things that you can do to get it moving. And, um, one of the, um, one of the one of the I've actually reposted one of your tools. Um, was it the six? Or, huh? Was it the big six? Well, um, it was actually the the one when you started to actually talk about um, the the, the uh, obviously getting the lymph moving through the brain and the juggler. Oh yeah, yeah, and the um, and getting under the uh, collarbone under the. Um, ah, that's a big one, man. That's a huge. Yeah, one. the collarbone here, obviously the uh, clavicle, the. Oh, the subclavius. That's the one I was trying yes. to put. Yes, sir. And then, the, uh, and then uh, the thoracic duct. So getting those moving. So I reposted that actually, and it got such great reception. Um, I might actually link it into the show notes for people that um, want to grab that tool. But that's that's Perry's tool, that one. <laughs> so, so um, but but that that helped Thank me you. tremendously when I was dealing with a lot of brain fog from candida overgrowth. Um, and I had to oh, use yeah. that tool to to get things moving, um, and it helped tremendously. Um, it's something I have to remind myself to come back to at times though as well to continue doing. Yeah, and that's uh, a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's so there's so many things you can be doing, <laughs> right? Like but but um lymph, I guess, is yes. I mean and I think that's probably somewhere I want to segue this just to maybe um because I wanted to move into um talking about tongue tie with you as well. Because I know you're okay. big on tongue tie as well. But um but um, what, what is what, like, just to really give some actionable steps for some of the listeners, what are some things that are maybe free that people can do, um, to get their lymph moving? You said okay. it before, like uh, walking movement. What else? Yeah. Great question. So yeah, absolutely. Well, just, first of all, just being aware of how important the lymphatic system is, is the first step towards being able to change it. Because you, you can't control something until you become aware of it, right? So I just want people to now say, wow, I maybe should check out this lymphatic stuff. It sounds kind of important. That's because it is. <laughs> and uh, see different methods on it that you can do. It, it's the first thing that I look at on everybody. It's number one. 
right? Uh, but yeah, already, uh, one, just moving more of yourself. So walking is a great one at different space paces, speeds, also um, different terrain, going uphill, downhill. Those are really, really great as well. And then <clears throat> doing diaphragmatic breathing. And the best way to do that is to just keep your mouth closed and breathe in and out through your nose throughout the day. And you'll automatically start to engage your diaphragm muscle more when you do that. What about more aggressive that, breathing like Wim Hof? Like Wim Hof style? Um, yeah, you can certainly do that. Um, I, I like for people to just start off with something that's easier for them to accomplish and do on a regular basis so they can start to notice some changes and, and feel empowered to say, you know what, I, I could do that for a couple of days and see how I feel. And you'll realize how, when you start to do that, uh, how often your mouth is open <laughs> when you yeah. keep track of, when I did that, I was like, holy cow, man, I'm never breathing into my nose. But here's the thing. If your lymphatics are congested, it's hard to breathe through your nose because your nose is clogged because you got too much mucus in your system because your lymphatics backed up. Yep. Because why does, why does your body give you mucus uh, to coat things and protect yep. things? Because what's it trying yep. to coat? Muck that's stuck yep. there, right? Yep. So yep. you can do that. And then honestly, um, the patient base that I see they're usually chronic pain, autoimmune, they're locked in sympathetic dominant fight or flight. I have to start their breathing journey a little bit uh, lighter and um, yeah. do more slow, uh, slow inhales and very slow exhales just to try to calm the body down. And yeah. then they can step up to do those uh, more aggressive techniques, which I do like a lot. It's just when I need to introduce them for people because yeah. here's the thing. Um, when you're in our world and we talk to people, we think that everybody out there on the earth knows about Wim Hof or they know about breathing and the yeah. importance of it. I'm going to tell you right now, most people have no idea. Mm. None. You forget that because you're in this small little bubble in yeah. your community. And then there's a big wide world out there and people say, uh, what in the world's a diaphragm? Like, what, why do I have to do that? I have no idea. So that's why we always have to keep doing these things and teaching these basics and fundamentals because that's one of the first things that I teach people to do is um, to clear their lymphatics. I'll tell you about that in a second. And I teach them the very simple breathing technique. I follow the Oxygen Advantage program the most from Patrick Picone. He has a program and uh, very easy breathing. Uh, my first thing I tell people is inhale through the nose for four seconds, exhale through the nose or mouth for six seconds, and nice. do that when you can. Just start there. Cool. Okay. We'll put that in the and show notes for, for everyone. Yeah, we'll get that yeah, off Yeah, yeah. That, that's a big one. Um, I've had him on my podcast about three times now, and cool. uh, b really uh, brilliant individual. And then you move the lymphatic. So on my website – you can see it if you want to link to the show notes. I teach people what's called the big six, B-I-G, the number six. Um, that's kind of gone crazy viral around the world because it freaking works and it's mm -hmm. really powerful and it takes, it. you know, <laughs> one minute to two minutes to do it. And it's just really quickly working the major block points of the 
lymphatics. You can see it there. And uh, honestly, you could probably just type in big six in my name and I've taught it on so many different formats. It'll show up somewhere. You'll find it. I would say start there. And uh, if you just do those two things, you do your big six and then do that nose breathing and then uh, jump up and down in place like you're on a little rebounder yep. trampoline. And if you have a rebounder, that's great. But you can also jump up lightly on the balls of your feet. But I don't want you to completely jump off the ground because most people can't tolerate that. They don't know how to absorb the landing. So I tell them to just like really fast kind of calf raises. Yep. And you're using these built-in rebounders called calves. <laughs> and then they pump what? Lymph. Vein flow and lymph flow back to where? Here. So in Eastern medicine, they call the calves your second heart. Right. Because they pump the vein flow back up okay. right? and then th what's really cool is that the little valves and the the lymphatic system that they these valves they open and close at specific times because they slowly move fluid up towards your uh collarbone like one valve at a time it opens and close opens and close so it shuffles things up slowly and they're called lymphangions big fancy word but they're called um Tiny heart is what that means. Tiny heart. So Amazing. it's almost like a little bit of a uh, mini pump there as well. So it's just about moving. So if you can yeah. do that, breathe like that, and then work those big six, jump up and down in place for um, one minute as you breathe through your nose. And if you did that for 30 days, you're going to feel it. I mean, you're going to feel it sooner than 30 days, but if you did that as a regular habit, that's pretty powerful. But I want people to uh, read the website page on there because it's going to tell you some things about make sure you hydrate, make sure you're not constipated because we want to make sure you're not backed up uh, with the poop so those toxins can get out. Jumping up and down might loosen those things up too, which is nice. And then uh, hydrating will be good. Take a big dose of magnesium oxide <laughs> as well and a lot of water. <laughs> That'll get it moving. Yeah. And you might go through a little bit of a what's called a, a detox where you, you feel kind of crappy because uh, the yeah. stuff's starting to make its way out. Yeah. Right? But I always say better out than in. And then uh, another, another word, because medicine doesn't like uh, the word detoxification. They use the word biological transformation. That's the word. <laughs> That's the word. Okay. Yeah. So uh, d if you feel worse before you feel better, that's that's normal. Okay. Yeah, mm. yeah but you start there and uh, that can make a huge difference for you. I know it will because I have people message me every single day of the first thing they say is, Doc, I mean, that's all I had to do. That was so simple. I can't believe that that's all I needed. And it, it doesn't have to be complicated to be effective. And yeah. now you know why that stuff that seems so simple works so well. Cause I spent the yeah. last two hours telling you why. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Um, look, uh, we'll probably finish it up there. Well, tongue tie. You want to go into tongue tie? I'd love to go into tongue tie quickly if we can go quickly into it. If you have time, okay. Perry, just uh -huh. because my daughter um, had tongue tie 
and um, I, I, we basically got exposed to this. Well, luckily there was some pretty alternative people up here on the on the Gold Coast that were um, that were connected to that um, helped us get onto it pretty fast. She was not latching well um, when um, you know uh, with with breast uh, breastfeeding, and um, and luckily we got onto it. Um, cause she would have been a mess. Her health would have been a mess if we didn't get onto that. And so, oh, yeah, um, big time. Oh, it's so, so good you got that. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. And th- th- luckily we found a really good biological dentist that did the surgery. They released the tongue tie and now she is absolutely flying. Like she's just like, yeah, she's so healthy. Now let's talk about tongue tie. Like what is tongue tie? Why is it such a big problem? And it's also completely undetected. No one barely knows about it um it's co- quite often even screened and said nah it's all right um yeah i'd love for you to share yeah that's a great question well i i, I teach an entire eight hour course just about the tongue believe it or not it's called uh tongue mojo because it's such an important player in your entire body and physiology where if you don't own your tongue, you can be a hot mess everywhere in your body. It's that critical. <laughs> and most people don't even think about their tongue unless they bite it. And then they realize they've got one. <laughs> right. Um, but it, it's a huge one because it makes a difference in one, uh, how you breathe. That's a big one. Hmm. And also, which is Imagine this, your limb, your tongue has a ton of lymph in it, a ton. Wow. And if you can't move your tongue well, well, that's stagnation, right? So like anything else, the fluids don't move. So people can end up getting a fat, swollen, toxic tongue that becomes too large for their mouth and it stays in the bottom of their mouth. And just to segue back, when the tongue drains its lymph, where do you think it drains it? Same place, to the neck and the collarbone. Okay? So that's why the big six can help you with that. But yeah. the, the tongue in and of itself is neurologically one of the most powerful um, organs slash muscles in your body because your it's represented a lot on your brain in relationship to things that you can feel and with movement. So anything that takes up a lot of space on your brain for territory is really, really super powerful. What I found is that most people have very weak tongues. It's at the floor of the mouth, and it's supposed to be at the roof of the mouth, the front, the middle, and the back. The whole thing should be sucked up against there, and it's usually not, especially if you have a tongue tie. So on the bottom underneath your tongue, you probably see that it's attached underneath to the floor of the mouth, right? It's a little frenulum in there. So it's supposed to be tied down, (laughs) but sometimes that gets too short and it's not long enough. So now you, you cannot elevate your tongue up to the roof of your mouth and you can't get your tongue out enough, sticking it out uh, to be able to latch onto Mm. something. Okay. And, so the tongue tie, you, you always pe- people tell people you, you you have to get that taken care of. It's not going to just disappear on its own. 
You have to see somebody to get that surgically taken care of. Then, because you have to get the requisite range of motion in there. And then you can begin to work with what's called an oral myofunctional therapist. That's somebody who goes specifically with the tongue. And then they can help uh, strengthen the tongue, train the tongue, and all those sorts of things, because that makes a difference on your ability to be able to speak and swallow. And it can translate into a lot of issues with the TMJ in your jaw and in your your neck. And, and the the tongue is considered a uh, hydro, hydrostat, which means it's actually going to, or like a hydrostat, like a hydraulic, because it influences pressure in the body as well. Yep. So when you keep the tongue at the roof of the mouth, it changes the position of your head on top of your spine, which changes your alignment all the way down to your feet and influences how your um, diaphragm moves. And in osteopathic medicine, they consider the tongue an actual diaphragm because diaphragms control pressure. So it's not just the thoracic diaphragm below your rib. That's the one people typically think of, but the tongue is another one. So if you have a tongue that has a tongue tie or it's weak and sits in the floor of your mouth, then you're going to alter the diaphragm down below in your abdomen as well. And it changes how everything moves in the body. It's no joke. Like it, it, it's what's really cool is they found a, a link between tongue position and overall strength, balance, and stability. Wow. So you're, you get stronger and you have better balance and equilibrium when your tongue is locked where it needs to be at the roof of the mouth. So that's a little mm -hmm. trick that I teach my shrink athletes that mm. um, if you stick the tongue up to the roof of your mouth and you do like uh, suitcase carries, loaded carries, farmer walks, things like that, where you just pick up something really freaking heavy and carry it, you'll notice that you can carry more weight for longer because it locks in the pressure of your body and the alignment of your head all the way down to your feet. <laughs> wow. That's the first thing I thought about was athletes straight away. And like yeah. think about children. Uh, now it's making me think about like children who struggle with coordination and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, wow, mm. yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's really you're quite amazing. You can see differences when people it, like I usually have them do uh, a single leg stance test, which is one of my most fundamental tests to check the body where they just put their feet together so they touch, and then um, I have them start with the eyes open first. And then they just raise one leg up like a stork and they stand on it. And you should be able to hold that position for 30 seconds. No problem. Like nice and still. Most people timber fall over in five. Right. Wow. And then you try the other side. You check both sides. Typically, I'd want you to have it with uh, bare feet. And then uh, then I would cue them on tongue placement. And I would say, okay, I want you to keep your tongue up to the roof of your mouth and in here. And then uh, I would have them repeat the test. And then you see the change in the single leg stance. Okay. Wow. And Incredible. it can be quite profound um, mm, yeah. when they do it. Wow. So, because you're obviously a chiropractor, right? Do you notice 
people who maybe have reoccurring like upper cervical TMJ issues, like that, you know, they keep coming back. They just it just keeps going back to the to to the same place that they that it could be a tongue tie that's doing that. Yes, absolutely, tongue tie uh, or the weakness of the tongue and poor tongue placement that's wow. sitting in the floor of the mouth because they're mouth breathers. Most oh, people breathe with the mouth head. open and then the tongue is on the floor of the mouth mm-hmm. like here. And this should be closed, the tongue up, up at the top, and you should breathe in and out through here. And then as soon as you put your tongue to the roof of the mouth, the first thing that happens is that your head gets pulled back and you open up the space in the back of the head of what's called your occiput. Because mm-hmm. as soon as the floor, a tongue goes in the floor and the mouth's open, here's what happens. Head goes yep. forward like this, and you have that traditional poor posture like that. <clears throat> and when you put the tongue here, this automatically happens. You breathe in and out through your nose. Okay? So you, you improve your alignment in your neck, and you take pressure off the back of the head here because if – and if you can't get it up there because of the tongue tie like this, well, then you're not going to try to put it up there because it's not going to go there. You're going to keep it on the floor of your mouth, right? Because yeah. putting it up, it's just it's like, I can't go there. I can't give it to you. But yeah. you don't even know that because that's all you've ever known, you know? Mm. So you only know what you know. <laughs> yeah. So the quote-unquote abnormal is your normal. But I see a lot of people who get, huge uh, cervical complaints, musculoskeletal complaints, back pain, so many different things they can get from a tongue tie um, and even neurological type things with neuroinflammation because if your tongue is down here and you can't bring it up to the roof of the mouth and you're living like this, you're going to change the neck alignment. So what that automatically does is it changes the airway. It changes the blood flow up and the blood flow down. I have excess tension in the muscles of my neck, so I clog my cervical lymph nodes so my brain can't drain. But in the back of my head, I trap down the primary artery that supplies the brain stem in the back to all my Mm. autonomic nervous system. And I'm going to put you into a fight or flight 24-7. Wow. Because I'm choking off the flow through the vertebral artery going up back right in through here. Then I choke off the vagus nerve that exits out through the back and comes down the side of your head. So it's no freaking joke when I'm talking about how the tongue impacts that alignment and why when people get that snipped, because I have adults that didn't know they had it. Mm -hmm. They lived their whole life without knowing they had a tongue tie. And then once they got it released, they they cry and they become very emotional. But they said, I can't believe I had I had no idea. I I never knew or nobody even told me about it. And that's like the lymph, the same thing. Nobody ever told me about the lymph. Nobody ever told me about the tongue tie. And that's the thing that I really want people to get is that when you have these chronic pain issues, it's not just about doing more and more and more of stuff that's supposed to help you get better. If it's not working, it's not what it, it's not it. I need you to think about different things and look at different places and investigate the limp and investigate the tongue and investigate the blood flow in the gut. But you just have to find somebody who's smart enough to look there, who and understands. Know, and, and know where to press. Yeah. You know, because there's a phrase that I say, and I'd like to say it but before we wrap it up. And it's this. I always say it. That no system in the body ever works alone, never gets injured alone, never heals alone. 
There's no such thing as an isolated injury in the body. There's no such thing as isolated healing. It's all or nothing until lights out, which means that all these things are always working together as an ecosystem to try to help keep you alive and protect you because it doesn't want you to hurt any more than you want to hurt because when you hurt, it hurts. (laughs) It doesn't want to be there either. (laughs) But you know, it's run out of options, and what it needs at this point in time is for you to stop, slow down, and think. Think. And I always tell people, I want you to think like your body thinks. Think like your brain thinks of what it needs to accomplish what it's trying to do. I always say, stop thinking like a damn research paper because your Mm. body didn't read the research paper. And as far as I'm concerned, if your body wasn't in that study, it doesn't apply to you anyway. (laughs) Right? Because you are unique and you are you. So I have to deal with the individual that's in front of me. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm. 100%. I think you've really wrapped it up there about, you know, just taking in, in like context and individual cases and digging deeper and stop chasing the pain, but also, you know, as, as your, uh, your, um, you know, brand is, you know, but it's, 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 it's about knowing where to press. And, um, and one of the biggest lessons that I've learned from you today is, is, um, you know, clear things first. Yeah. Like clear things first, clear what can be cleared first. Yeah, and those lower-hanging fruit are going to be emotions. It's going to be lymph. It's going to be getting your breathing into a better spot. It's going to be moving, all those things before you start detoxing the body. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what I mean, detoxing the body, I mean like heavy detoxification, like obviously antimicrobials, supplement stuff, or or putting more nutrients in in, or, or things back in. Yeah, and that's been one of the biggest lessons from you today. Well, you've, I'm you've glad that came it. away because that's exactly what I want people to know is just to get these pipes moving and let your body do what it's designed to do. And when you get these flow pipes moving, you'll likely find your emotional state begins to change as well. Mm, and yep. the reason that that's going to change is because I just changed how blood flow gets to, to your brain to your tissues, to your organs, and that changes how they function. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. What a way to wrap it up. Yep. And, uh, yeah, what I was going to say is uh, the name of the podcast is Shift Your Consciousness, and to be honest, Perry, I've sat here and just listened a lot, and you've shifted my consciousness, and I think think a lot of people um, will come out of this who have got you know, who've tried a lot of stuff and just have neglected the lymphatic system. I'm one of them for sure. So um, I'm excited to start putting some of the steps you've talked about in this uh, podcast to work on myself and then um, spreading it further into the world. Um, So, yeah, again, people can stop chasing pain. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for having me on the show. It was a lot of fun. I think we hit the flow state. We did our own matrix there. Some great moments in there. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much. And for the listeners, we're going to put some really powerful tools in the show notes. So be sure to check that out so you guys can actually start to apply some of these steps into your daily routine and life um, because we know a lot of you here to, are to heal but also to better your life. So thanks again, Perry, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, Matt.
Thanks for listening. We hope this opened your mind to new possibilities in your journey. If you want to follow on for more, please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Life Athlete Health and at Coach Jordan Briggs. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you next time.